You're listening to Teach, Think, Treat, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. This podcast is for healthcare professionals and students about teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting. Whilst our setting is a tertiary paediatric hospital, our experiences and challenges are shared by many professionals and students in other clinical environments. Hello, my name is Steve Lacey and I'm the Allied Health Education Fellow in the RCH Education Hub. I also work as a tutor radiographer in medical imaging at RCH. Now, with almost all disciplines of healthcare requiring on-site clinical placement during their university program, it's inevitable that most students will need to travel long distances or in some cases even relocate in order to attend clinical placement. And this is even more relevant for students who are either from rural areas or go to university in rural areas. Often the relocation requires them to travel to metropolitan areas and that means that they have to find their own accommodation, which of course can come at a significant cost. Throw in a full-time clinical placement that is unpaid as well as a university coursework that leaves you with very little time to have a part-time job and earn some money or even have a social life. And it leads to a term that I've only recently heard used, but I actually like the term, and it's called placement poverty. It sounds like an absolute nightmare and who would ever want to do it? Well, today I'm joined by a couple of current students who are basically living this exact dream and are here to share their experiences and provide an insight as to how to get the most out of such a clinical placement. So our first guest is Gus Benson. Gus is currently studying a Bachelor of Medical Imaging at Deakin University in Geelong and is now in his final week of fourth year placement before he ventures out into the wide world of qualified life. Welcome, Gus. Thanks, Steve. Our second guest is Pranay Galati. Pranay is a first year medical student from the University of Melbourne and has just finished his initial placements at RCH. Welcome, Pranay. Thanks, Steve. So Gus, let's start with you. Tell us your story. Where have you come from and how long has your placement been? Yeah, so I grew up in Ocean Grove, which is a coastal town around one and a half hours away from Melbourne. Yep. Uh, I enjoy exercising, camping, a bit of basketball, a bit of team sport. I'm surfing and I like to meet new people and try new things. Uh, I was previously on placement at RCH for four weeks in my second year of study, and I've recently completed my internship as part of the St. Vincent's and RCH cluster. Uh, the St. V's and RCH cluster consists of three months at each site, and these are split up into two blocks. Okay, so tell us about your accommodation arrangements for each of these, as you didn't really have anywhere to start originally, right? Yeah, so for my Melbourne placements, I was here in second year. And whilst I was here, I stayed in student accommodation just up the road. Yep. So in fourth year, I was living with a friend in Malvern whilst I was at St. V's and I was living with people who both work at RCH now, actually, for the three months that I was on placement here. Uh, So yeah, for my second year of placement, I stayed in student accommodation because I didn't know anyone living up in Melbourne at the time. Uh, I recommend if you're a student and plan to stay at student accommodation or something like an Airbnb, I recommend calling them and asking if they do any student discounts or can offer you any cheaper prices. Uh, At the end of the day, the worst thing that they can say is no. And for this experience, they gave me a juicy $500 discount, which was very handy for the placement poverty. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And during my second year of placement at RCH, I met two radiographers, which I I touched on before, um, and they work here now. So it sort of goes to show that if you make good connections along the way, it can help yourself out in your fourth year. It was really beneficial too because they were extremely close to the hospital, which is obviously super convenient. Um, They've been very considerate and helped me out with the price of rent. Yeah, fantastic. But Melbourne isn't the only place that you've had to move for placement. Where else have you had to go for placement? 
Yeah, so I've been to Bendigo, Mount Isa, Darwin, as well as Geelong. So in first year, I stayed in an Airbnb in Bendigo. Yep. Uh, second year, as I said, I was in that student accommodation in Melbourne. But when I was in Mount Isa, there was arranged student housing, which was fully funded by Deakin. And in third year, quite funny, when I was in Darwin, I stayed in a party hostel on Mitchell Street because uh, it was the most cost-effective way to do it at the time. And yeah, it was a bit of fun as well. Yep. Um, and then when I was in Geelong, I just stayed at home in Ocean Grove whilst I was on my placement. I almost used placements as a means of traveling around different aspects of Australia, which led me to explore remote parts of the country, uh, experiencing atypical and unique encounters, which I find was invaluable. Uh, exposure included working with Indigenous patients, working alongside the Royal Flying Doctors, and it also allowed for interstate networking, and I was able to make many, many friends along the way. A lot of remote placements, such as Mount Isa, are incentivized, and often the universities pay for accommodation, flights, and some food as well, which is enticing for the student wage. Yeah. Uh, regional and rural placements also allowed me to practice my independence and to establish myself to reinforce the basics. Overall, this positively impacted and improved both my confidence and competence. And I think the regional and rural placements, they almost have to kind of somehow incentivize it a little bit for the students, don't mm. they? Because they, you know, they're the ones trying to attract more students to come on placement to them because they do struggle a lot sometimes to actually get placements to come to them as well. So mm. they do have to have some level of incentivization. Gus, how did it feel leaving mum and dad behind and heading into the big wide world? <laughs> I'm very lucky at home to have a supportive, loving and generous family down the coast, but personally I was pretty excited. Uh, so my brother and sister, they're a bit older than me, they'd already moved out of home. I was lucky enough to have travelled a lot as a kid and I also had a gap year after high school and enjoyed some partnered and solo travelling around Europe and North Africa. So I felt pretty prepared to experience new opportunities and spread my wings to fly into the big wide world of radiography. I'm guessing your parents probably just wanted to kick you out too, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, probably. Part of that is I moved out for almost all of my placements uh, instead of long commutes on a daily basis. Moving to each of these areas close to my placement sites definitely helped with maintaining high energy levels and it avoided me experiencing burnout. In saying that though, uh, the placement that I did experience burnout was the one closest to home. Really? So I was working a lot, driving in. I was just trying to do my normal routine and then have placement on top of that. But yeah. We're going to touch on burnout shortly. Yeah. Um, Pranay, what about you? You're in a slightly different position than Gus because um, you obviously haven't just come from Ocean Grove. Tell us about where you grew up and what your placement experience have been in terms of where you've been. Yeah, a bit, a bit further away. So I was born in India, but grew up in Cairns, far north Queensland. Um, yeah. I do miss it and try and go back as often as I can, not least for the change in weather. My first move away from home was actually to Canberra for undergrad at the Australian National University. I really liked it there, but the biggest factor that actually drew me to Unimel was actually the placement opportunities, not just the infrastructure, but also the specialities and options for students to get involved in the clinical side from first year. So I'm getting to the end of my first year and um, this year we really just get a taste of placements about once a week. Yeah. So, so, so just one day a week. Yeah. 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 So we've had a few days here at the RCH and then some with a local GP clinic throughout the year. 
And then next year we start full time clinical placements and I'll be at Ballarat as part of the rural clinical school. Yeah, right. And how is it for you having to move away from home? Yeah, it was definitely bittersweet, but I think what helped was that I was quite excited to finally start uni, um, study the subjects I love and live independently. It definitely has its challenges at times, like adjusting to paying rents and bills, grocery shopping, the little things I think you never notice your parents doing while you're living at home. (laughs) Take for granted, hey? Um, And what about accommodation? What are you doing for that at the moment? So yeah, this year I'm living on campus at student accommodation, luckily very close to the RCH. I did try looking for share houses, but um, it's essentially impossible, um, especially since I wasn't in Melbourne. And they can be quite expensive. And a lot of the places I was finding would have taken me quite a lot of time to travel into the city for classes and mm-hmm. placement, which is a particular barrier because med requires us to come in person for most days of the week. Yeah. Next year, luckily, the government actually provides subsidies for rural placements, like you were mentioning before. And Unimel has student accommodation in Ballarat to save us the stress of searching. And it's definitely an incentive to signing up for the rural clinical school, along with getting to come to the RCH during our first year. Obviously, money, though, does have to be a huge factor in all of this. Most people will have to work full time for no pay when they're doing a clinical placement. How do you even earn a living to cope with the extra expenses of accommodation? I mean, you do get, you know, some incentives from your rural clinical placements. And as as you touched on before, Renee, that the the government might actually provide some sort of subsidy. But do you get a warning from the university that it's going to happen, that you're going to have a long clinical placement and that that you're not going to get paid for and that you've got to save money or something? Yeah, good question. And I will mention that um, even in first year, when we're not at placement at a hospital, we're basically expected to be in class or studying essentially nine to five. So it's almost like a full-time job. Mm. For first year, it wasn't confirmed where exactly we would be doing our placement until I think it was a few weeks before they started. But I guess since it's only one day of the week, it wouldn't be a huge factor in where you live. Um, Luckily for next year, they have given us more warning, so we already know. In terms of work, I know a lot of people work in the medical field, in reception or admin as assistants, and that can be really good to make connections and get exposure to the clinical world. I don't do that. I do work casually, though. in terms of some tutoring and then at my residential hall in admin. I think if work is something you enjoy, which I mostly do, it can almost be a mandatory break from uni. It's definitely hard to manage though. And I think it has to be something that can be a bit flexible, especially with med. The other thing I do want to mention is that Luckily, I'll start getting Centrelink soon, which will definitely help me to allow me to work less. And it's definitely something I recommend everyone to look into if you're an Australian resident. One thing I'll mention is even if your or your parents' income is above whatever threshold they have, you can still apply and get something or you can get the healthcare card, which has actually really helped me because it lets you get concessions on everything from public transport to utility bills. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll also mention is that You can also look into scholarships. There are specific scholarships for placements and rural students to relocate from both unis and also Centrelink. Yeah, okay. Uh, Gus, what about you? Did you get any warning from the universities? Yeah, so we have to apply and be selected for our internships. Um, And the amount of placements for medical imaging at Deakin is established in first year. So there's 
ample time to prepare for placements and the internships themselves. Mm. Um, so as long as you're on top of that, definitely helps. But like the actual placement sites are not determined until a few weeks before placement. But like I said, being organized and applying for grants uh, definitely helps in these sort of scenarios. In terms of working, I've tended to work more hours over the holiday periods, but I'd recommend still leaving enough time for yourself to recharge and to have fun because you know, you need to refresh yourself, you need to look after yourself and yeah. ultimately that's what helps you out in the long run and to perform at a high level on placement. That's why they call them holidays. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so working whilst on placement, it's different for different people. Some people have a high workload and they can work full time whilst on placement, which is just insanity. Whereas some others can work one shift a week and still maintain their high energy levels. Um, for me personally, I didn't work on my internship because it just allowed me to focus and have enough energy for that time that I was performing. Yeah. And also I had a little side hustle, so I'd recommend getting a bit creative, you know, thinking outside the box, how else can you make some money? So I did like a creative art sort of business and sold some commission paintings. I was very lucky as well to have my parents to help support me. And another massive one, similar to what Pranay was saying with uh, Centrelink and government sort of payments definitely apply if you can. So there's a lot of talk about MIAs or medical imaging assistants. Uh, being an MIA would be good to gain more insight and knowledge and it would also help to get your foot in the door. Obviously another benefit is, of this is that you would be getting paid, um, but I love this sort of win-win setup. It's not necessarily just medical imaging assistants, it's, uh, there's allied health assistants that I think mm, are, are really yeah. kind of coming into play. It's also interesting that you said that it also depends upon the person. The trouble is you've really got to understand and know where your limits are when it comes to work and clinical placement. And um, to put it into perspective, I once had a student that worked night shift as a security guard and did that while he was on placement. And then when he came to placement, he was not active very much mm. at all, very tired and, and things like that as well. And it actually got to the point where we actually had to sit him down and just say, you can't do both mm. while you're on placement. You've got to, you've got to do one or the other, or at least, you know, at least cut a day or two out or something like that if you work, mm -hmm. um, if you have to. Look, it's, it's a real double-edged sword here though, right? Like on one hand, you don't have time to work because of placement. And on the other hand, you need to work to pay the bills. For someone who is an employer, then there's definitely more benefits to part-time work for these people because I think that having this and learning to manage your time effectively also makes you a more employable person as well because you also have that life experience that comes with it. Have either of you done any part-time work whilst on placement or any beforehand to prepare for this monumental increase in your expenses that you're going to have um, and how much part-time work is too much, I guess. Yeah. So I haven't done any, I guess, part-time work, but I've definitely done casual work that I think on some, uh, some weeks reached part-time hours, mm -hmm. which, um, and it's definitely something you have to manage. Luckily um, this year, both my jobs are quite casual. They're casual and they're quite flexible. Um, so I can kind of say if I can't work a certain week or swap shifts with someone. And that's definitely, I'm very privileged to be in that situation. But I think it is unfortunately almost something that you have to have, especially with courses and placements like medicine, because there will be weeks where you just don't have the capacity to work. Placements can be more hectic than you're expecting. With weekends, I guess most placements have free weekends um but i think over the year i've slowly and forcefully learned that sometimes i need to keep them free not just to catch up on lectures but sometimes just to 
catch up on life admin, meal prepping, or even just to have a break um, mm. from sort of the full-time load over the week. So now I think I've sort of reached the point where I'm really just working the minimum amount to support myself with some savings. Um, and it definitely also really helps that my parents are quite supportive and I think would help if I need it. Um, so that's definitely very helpful. Mm, absolutely. What about you, Gus? So whilst on placement in Geelong, I was working Saturdays and Sundays and selling commission paintings on top of that, which did lead to burnout. Briefly spoke about it before, like you want to increase the amount of working hours over uni breaks and continuously work during uni and in between placements, but just make sure it's enough to feel comfortable so that you're not financially stressed uh, whilst you're on placement. And it just allows you to focus and dedicate your physical and mental energy towards performing well, sort of what I said before. Yeah. And look, it still must be pretty tough though. It would obviously take a huge toll on the body. And we've all talked about burnout in the past and especially relevant in recent years, particularly with the extra strain following COVID. Gus, I know you obviously did a lot of your placements during the COVID period. Renee, obviously not you because you were in first year this year. How have each of you adjusted to avoid the burnout, Renee? Um, look, I'll, I'll start by saying that end of the day, it is tough. I think like starting a new job or subject or placement, it is going to be tough at the end of the day. I think one of the best things you can do is to prepare for those changes in advance. And that looks like setting up routines and building networks around you that can support you when things get tough. And so I think setting up those routines when things are kind of easier for you, because then those routines are easier to set up. Um, so for me, that looked like setting up some sort of regular schedule to call friends, call my family more regularly. I think I've also found it really helpful to not just make friends during my placements, but also try and maintain friendships with my previous friends kind of outside the medicine world. And I think that almost functions like a break from clinical and medical life for me, which I think is really helpful to avoid burnout. And I think it's unavoidable sometimes that when you hang out with other medical friends, you end up talking about difficult situations or upcoming exams. And I think it's best to have um, both sides. Uh, it's also really important, obviously, to take care of yourself. I think as health professions, we constantly preach the importance of sleep to patients, but always underestimate it ourselves. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a decent night's sleep since I was in first year uni, so... Other things I'll mention is obviously exercising, eating well, all, all the things your parents tell you to do, taking time to relax, and also just maintaining the hobbies that you have outside of um, uni. So for me, that was running a bit of piano and also cooking, which definitely helps in making sure I'm feeding myself too. Gus, can you tell me what some of your coping mechanisms are? Yeah, everyone's got different coping mechanisms, but I definitely like to stay busy. So some that I've got are... Uh, Avoiding burnout by establishing routine. I allow enough time for adequate sleep. Uh, I like taking time for myself to decompress and do the things I enjoy, which involves exercise, trying to eat healthy, meditating. Underrated, that is. You know, yeah. deep breathing keeps you relaxed, keeps you focused, keeps I'll, you calm. I'll second that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listening to music, socializing, and I personally love trying new things. So I've got a couple of examples here, like bouldering, squash, and yin yoga. If you don't know what that is, I highly recommend. I've only done it once, but it was good fun. Yep. Uh, and coffee also helps, but it shouldn't be relied upon. I'm caffeinated up right now, which helps, but definitely should not be relied upon. <laughs> uh, so also using support networks such as partners, family, and uni friends is essential. 
talking to uni friends about certain aspects of placement can be really beneficial as they almost have like a assumed knowledge and understanding of what you're going through. And that helps because uni friends understand you don't have to explain yourself too much and that can really help with venting as well. The main thing for me is to establish a balance and that maximizes my ability to go well in placement. Yeah, that's some really good coping mechanisms that you've got. And, and I want to touch on the resources and tools a little bit later in the podcast. Now, now we've talked a lot about the doom and gloom about clinical placement and how much you guys are all broke. Um, and <laughs> there's all the students out there who are about to embark on such a clinical placement and think, what the hell am I doing? But fear not, everyone, because this is the reason we're doing this podcast, is to also look at the positives of these types of experiences. Pranay, what positives have you discovered from your placements? Yeah, look, overall, I will say that my placement experience has been really amazing and definitely one of my favorite parts of the year. And I will say, considering everything, I would do it again if I could. It's such an amazing feeling to finally be in the field and after being stuck in lectures and tutorials, including online lectures for the past three years, it was a very welcome change for me. Mm. And I think if you're you know, considering all the challenges, if you enjoy it, which I did, it was such a strong sign to me that, okay, I think I'm in the right degree and right place. This is the path for me. I've heard a lot of people just say that when they go out on clinical placement, they say, I've learned more in the last three weeks than I have in three years of university, right? Oh, mm. for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think I remember the weeks before my exams, we had GP placements and I really didn't want to go. I said, I would rather be watching these lectures on drugs, but um, I spent that one day at GP and learned more than I would have, um, I think, watching lectures all day, yeah. just seeing, seeing patients and seeing all those theories applied in a clinical setting. Um, yeah, I'll quickly also say that at the RCH specifically, even if pediatrics isn't at the top of your list of fields you're interested in, I would say to give it a chance. It's an amazing people with lovely people who are always happy to help and teach, which really helps. I'd also say the building itself is very nice and modern <laughs> and well equipped with cafes with coffee which sometimes you do need gas. Yes, um, But not rely on. <laughs> and also it's just quite sunny and nice to be in, which I think is an underrated aspect of building is a design of many adult hospitals, yep. which can be a bit gloomy. It's definitely challenging, but you'll be very well supported and you'll have a lot of people around you going through the same things. Yeah. And, and what about you, Gus? You've had a lot of positives coming up to Melbourne. Yeah, I second what Pranay was saying as well about pediatric experience because initially I didn't think that I'd be good in this sort of setting. Um, although I've got older siblings, there was no babies in the family. I hadn't had much experience at all. But um, by pure chance, I was supposed to go to Alice Springs, but then ended up coming down here. Steve gave me a call and loved it. And that sort of experience led for me to do my internship here. So yep. definitely don't rule it out. Melbourne overall, it's a very happening place. There's an insane amount of things to do outside of placement. So there's something for everyone. The food is delicious. The coffee's elite. <laughs> and there's no small town syndrome as there's plenty of anonymity. Uh, Melbourne allows you to surround yourself with new opportunities, meet new people, and ultimately have fun. In terms of placement, you gain specialised experience on both paediatrics and adults in a metropolitan setting. This provides you with professional tools that are transferable to wherever you continue to pursue your career. Placement in the city opens you up to a plethora of engaging educational opportunities. All modalities experience fast-paced and trauma settings whilst putting your individual skills to the test within progressive and leading hospitals. So, Pranay, how have you made the most of your experience? Yeah, I'll, I'll second what Gus is saying about Melbourne being very happening. 
And I think before I moved, people from Melbourne would always be kind of talking it up. And now I know why. I will say that one of the best things that I think I've, um, that you should do is that there's so many clubs and organizations to get involved in at the uni level, placement level, and also the community level. It's a great way to meet people with similar interests outside your course. I think I definitely found the first few weeks or months, maybe realistically, the toughest. And my top tips would be to just kind of hang in there, build up your routine, and you might have to push yourself out of your comfort zone a little, but also take care of yourself. And it definitely does get easier. And you can also use placements as a way to explore and visit new places, which um, I'm definitely planning to do in the future. Yeah, good. That's fantastic. There are some useful resources and tools to help with burnout. Um, Pranay, can you just let the listeners know what you think is out there? Yeah, so a really helpful resource is the support programs that are offered by both university and placement venues. The universities will generally have a student-specific counselling service, whereas placement venues offer students access to their employee assistant program, um, also called EAP. They are free and confidential services that will put you in touch with trained professionals who can help you to get the help you need. Also, Safer Care Victoria has a page titled Healthcare Worker Wellbeing Centre with links and phone numbers for support services across all healthcare disciplines. Um, so there's definitely a lot of resources out there if you need. On a more personal note, I would also recommend that you take the time to take care of yourself before you start uni and kind of before it gets really busy and you start to reach the point of burnout. Things like exercising, meditating, um, going for a walk, anything that recharges your emotional and mental batteries and definitely staying in touch with the people around you. Yeah, just just really understanding your own mechanism, your own coping mechanisms and what actually works for you and and also being able to then identify when you're actually reaching that point. Gus, what about you? Any last minute tips for the listeners? So placement is like an in-person job interview. It's important, especially in medical imaging, which is a tight-knit community, to put your best foot forward. Make the most of being a student and immerse yourself in education because it's that knowledge that will enhance your professional capabilities and provide you with a universal toolbox that will allow you to overcome challenges that you will face clinically. My biggest piece of advice is to have fun and to build strong relationships with those on your placements. Who knows, you might even get some accommodation for future placements. (laughs) True. Your personal engagement and ability to work well within a team will lead to qualified staff teaching you more willingly and at a higher level whilst giving you insight into all of their individual tips and tricks. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Thanks again, Pranay and Gus, for joining me today. I do hope that you've managed to put to rest all of the concerns of those who are about to travel for clinical placement, that they can get something good out of it as well. It's really worth it having that travel for placement, I think, especially if you have placement in a large metropolitan hospital as those experience will set you up for a lifetime. But as you both kind of alluded to as well, it also gives you the opportunity to actually use the time to be able to explore areas and travel, particularly in your regional and and rural places. And that there's so much out there that I think you may not have ever appreciated unless you were there on clinical placement in the first place. Thanks guys for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Teach, Think, Treat, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Conversation with the Experts, where professionals from the Melbourne Children's Campus provide advice and insights, tips and tricks, and discuss latest research findings on a range of topics.